Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. What is a toxic friendship? This is the simplest way to think about it. When you spend time with somebody, think about a sliding scale. On one side of the scale, you have lightness, you have joy. And on the other side of the scale, you have heaviness. When you're in the presence of somebody and you repeatedly leave feeling heavy, you repeatedly feel drained. You repeatedly feel like you're less than. You repeatedly feel that you have to make up for this person or you repeatedly feel guilty. Those are signs of a toxic friendship. Okay, U-Turners, this is Ashley Stahl here with a new episode of U-Turn Podcast. And this is an extra special one because we are going to be talking about why you need to reevaluate your friendships. I'm here with my friend, Drew Perowit. He's a serial entrepreneur, a filmmaker, and an investor in the health and wellness space. As an entrepreneur, he's also the CEO of the Ultra Wellness Center, which is a functional medicine clinic based that specializes in treating chronic disease through personalized medicine. He's also the host of the Broken Brain podcast. You've got to tune into that. It's a top 100 health podcast and it teaches listeners how to improve their brain performance and their mental health through their diet, everyday biohacking, and their community. Um, Drew is a writer. He's a contributing author to the New York Times bestsellers, Clean Gut and Clean Eats. And he's helped launch the global clean eating revolution by co-founding the Clean Program, which Vogue magazine said, is the whole food cleanse that celebrities used to jumpstart their sluggish bodies. What a visual. I am picturing my own sluggish body. And Drew is also passionate about sociogenomics, which I want to ask him a lot about, which is the science of how our social connections impact our genetics. And he's committed to helping people create badass friendships that create more growth, purpose, courage, and creativity in the world. And I can stand by that being a friend of his. Uh, Such a magical person. We have so much to learn from. Drew, welcome to the show. Ashley, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so fun to be here with you. Whenever I do podcasts with friends, it's like it feels like a little bonus treat, you know? Speaking of friends, I got to give a shout out to Adam Cobb, who's a mutual friend who introduced us. Shout out to Adam Cobb. Coach Adam Cobb, those of you who want to check him out. Coach Adam Cobb. Honestly, like before we get started, I just want to say if you love somebody in your world, the most beautiful gift you can give them, one of the most beautiful gifts you can give them is introducing them to somebody else you love. And that was the gift that Adam gave. And just think about how many amazing experiences we've had together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's funny because I remember the week he introduced us, we actually were going to the same wedding that weekend. So usually we're just a couple degrees of Kevin Bacon from each other, uh, which is amazing. And 
You know, I'm so curious because as your friend, I, I notice you you walk the walk because I think we live in a space where there's a lot of thought leaders, there's a lot of talking the talk, and then there's always, of course, going to be less walking the walk. And I watch you do this when it comes to friendship, your business, your life, like you are really on it and present. And I'm curious, I know for me why friendship is so important and it's something that I focus on and a lot of friends turn to me for, but what is it for you? Like, why is this something that means so much to you that you started to speak out about? You know, growing up in an immigrant family, my family moved around a lot from Kenya to Tennessee to Texas to Delaware. And every time I moved, I had that awkward feeling that you get when you go to a party and you don't know anyone there and you're twiddling your thumbs waiting for somebody to talk to you. So I think out of just, first of all, my own insecurities and being on the receiving end, I thought, man, there's gotta be a better way to be welcoming to others. There's gotta be a better way to take care of others. And what's the science of friendship? Then as an entrepreneur, I realized that when you invest in amazing quality friends, regardless of what your goal in life is, if you wanna do big things, it's so important to have friends around you. They're the ones that pick you up when you fall down. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that have your back when you have a question. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that encourage you when you're starting something new. So I saw the practical aspect of having amazing quality friends in my life, and I also saw how great it feels when somebody moves to a new city and you welcome them and you include them in your world. They're not that person that's awkwardly twiddling their thumbs. They feel like they have a network that's there for them. So just scratching my own itch is mm -hmm. how I got into this whole subject. Mm, and you know, it was so interesting to me the other day, I remember talking to you uh, when we had coffee, like now it feels like it might have been a couple months ago. And we were, I asked you, you know, at what point do you stop making new friends? Because you can have so many friends that it's, actually your social life is taking such a front seat that you don't create other things in your life. And you talked about how, and I love this, you said there's an attrition rate to friendship. And you said people move, people leave, uh, people change, you know, things happen. And so that really stuck with me because I'd felt myself kind of closing off a bit because I felt like, oh my God, I have so many friends that I really care about. There's not a lot of space for me to do much else because it is such a priority for me. So wh what do you have to say for everybody listening? Because just first point talking about toxicity, um, I think a lot of people may have toxic friends. They don't realize that they're toxic or maybe they themselves are being toxic and they don't realize that. So yeah. So one on your point, yeah. I do want to say, of course, everybody's different, right? Yeah. Some people identify as more introverts, extroverts, other stuff. But I've seen regardless across the board, the most important thing in friendship is depth. Mm. Depth is really having deep, connected people in your life. You know, the New York Times wrote an article called, who would you call at 2 a.m., right? Or do you have somebody you can call at 2 a.m.? So more important than quantity, I definitely think is depth. So whether people add new friends or not, that's up to them. But I will say, going back to your comment about attrition, you know, we live in L.A., and we're also at the age where a lot of our friends are getting married, they're having kids, people get busy. The modern world is different than how our parents grew up and how their grandparents grew up. So what people are experiencing now, and this is part of the problem of friendship, is they're trying to navigate through the fact that their friend that they were close to when they were younger, or the friends that they knew in high school, or even the friend that they were close to a year ago may not be in their world on a direct basis. They may still be close and they spend time together, but they might have something going on. They're starting a new business, they're doing something else, and so it's easy for friendships to kind of come and go mm -hmm. and evolve. So I think that that's why we're, we have to personalize this whole approach to friendship and have tools in our toolbox that allow us to add new people in if that's what's needed. Right, and I think 
you brought up a good point. There's old friends. So I found that I have maybe four friends since I was 10 years old. But what I've also noticed is that we change so much as individuals that we have some friendships where it's based on kind of knowing each other our whole lives so that the connection there might not have depth other than history. Yep. And then you have the new friends who kind of meet you with where you are now. And that's why the connection was formed. So I'm curious because we, we have all these networks, but on the topic of toxicity, like what does it look like, do you think, when somebody is a toxic friend or has a toxic friend? Like what are some of the behaviors because I think a lot of people don't realize sometimes some of their friendships are taking away energy versus giving energy to their lives. It's so true. Yeah. And I think that to lead into the toxic friendships, you're right. Friendships change and evolve and grow. We're all growing at different rates. Just think about it. We're meeting probably 10 times the number of people in a year and having 10 times the number of experiences that our great grandparents had. Mm -hmm. So that also means that we ourselves are evolving and growing. And especially if you have a history with someone, you may not necessarily be on the same page with them anymore. Yes. And you can have a toxic friend for a few different reasons. It could be somebody that you met recently, but especially if it's somebody that you've known for a while, what you can see is that sometimes that toxicity happens when you start to change. You start to grow. You start to build a business. You start to get into health. You're like, ah, I don't want to go drinking on the weekend as much as I did before. Uh, let's go for an early hike. And people look at you and are like, why are you changing? Right. It was good before. So there's a whole different reasons why toxic friends are there. But let's go back to your question you asked, which is, what is a toxic friendship? This is the simplest way to think about it. When you spend time with somebody, think about a sliding scale. On one side of the scale, you have lightness, you have joy. And on the other side of the scale, you have heaviness. When you're in the presence of somebody and you repeatedly leave feeling heavy, Mm. you repeatedly feel drained, you repeatedly feel like you're less than, you repeatedly feel that you have to make up for this person, or you repeatedly feel guilty. Those are signs of a toxic friendship. And that alone is something so important to talk about because so many people are in a toxic friendship, but it happened slightly slowly over a period of time because they started growing in one direction and their friend grew in another, and now they're just used to it. And that's a very challenging place to be because you're just putting up with that person's toxicity. You know what, I love what you're saying and it reminds me so much of what we talked about before we started recording, which was parenting and enmeshment because I was reading Eckhart Tolle's um, A New Earth, mm-hmm. which I read like once every- One of my every favorite th- books in the world. Yes, and I, I read it once every other year, and those of you listening, if you do pick up a copy, I recommend reading it like as needed. I don't see it as a binge book. I think that every chapter kind of lands, but one of the things that I read about in that book was his concept that parents, there, there's nothing stronger than somebody's desire to self-identify, and your identity is is what you know, and it's, it feels like a, a sense of safety for people. So for parents, when their kids start to grow up, they want to, you know, you see those parents that want to keep babying their kid that is now kind of an adult, because it's scary for them to let go of that identity as a parent and realize that there's nobody for them to keep parenting, which is why it's so important to foster a sense of self outside of your identity as just a friend or a parent. Yeah, you gotta let your kid figure out who they are. Exactly, and but I think same as the case with friends is that there's a resistance to allowing the space for somebody else to change because you might endure some sort of loss, not just in the way you spend your time with that person, but in your identity 
for yourself and with them. I mean, maybe you've always been the helper and then this person really evolves and figures out a lot more about who they are and they get so empowered that they don't need to turn to you to save them or help them anymore. Um, and there could be a sense of loss for people. So true. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, using the language of Eckhart Tolle, yeah. what I often see is when people come to me and they say that they're having a challenge with a, a friend. And I noticed that, let's go back to the instance that you're starting to grow. You're starting to listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. You're starting to follow people on Instagram that are lifting you up and posting positive things. You're not wasting your time. You're investing in all the areas of life that you want to invest in. And then your friend, in their mind, they know that you're doing this and they're not doing those things. What they feel is that by you investing in these other things, in a way you're saying that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And so you start to sometimes see toxic behavior show up because their identity is attached to you being there. And in a way, when you go down a few different le levels, at the end of the day, any friend that's toxic is really hurting on the inside, right? Mm -hmm. There's some hurt that they're dealing with. Now the question is, are they expressing that hurt in a way that can be worked on and productive, or are they just taking out their hurt and fear on you? But I think it completely relates to identity and your own identity. Do you need to constantly be the helper do you need to constantly be the person with the lifesaver and you're constantly looking for the friend that's drowning? Yes. So you find yourself in situations. Same with love, right? And business. I mean, we with love we, and yes. business. You know, one of the, this really great quote that I heard um, it was digital. It was actually from like this random digital marketer. I forget his name, but it was like truly profound. Not <laughs> as, that his as work. As all good quotes are. <laughs> not to put him down, not yeah. to put him down. But he said, you're always winning at the game that you're playing. The only question is whether you realize if you're playing the game that you want, mm. right? So if you look at your friend world, you're winning. You set it up that way. You just may not realize you designed it that way. So if there's a pattern that's happening in your relationship, in your family, in your friend, you are win and it's repeated. You're getting something out of it. We always get something out of the patterns that we're replaying even if we feel like they're not the thing that we want to be doing. When you find out what you're getting, you can ask yourself, do I want that anymore? Do I want to be the person that's constantly saving other people, right? Or do I want a healthy relationship of equals that are investing in each other? Mm. And I think it's about finding those patterns. You know, and also just kind of back to what we were saying is talking about noticing your energy if you feel like your energy is sucked or you feel energized. And I actually have found that it's so nuanced. It's as simple as a text message, a name on your phone, as simple as a name in your inbox. And I think sometimes people overthink it. Like, is this person adding or taking away? It's like if you do a direct body scan and you look in your inbox at names, you're gonna, your body is constantly responding to that, which makes me want to ask you about like this concept of the second gut and, and knowing. So I'm going to ask you about that and what you know about that. But um, so I think anybody listening right now, if you want to try this on, look at the text messages on your phone and do an energy scan. Like, where are you feeling yourself getting energy? Where do you feel your body contracting and restricting? Also, I think when it comes to the stories we tell ourselves, you know, I've always been told to question everything, question everything you believe. So this idea of winning at the game, you're always winning at the game you're choosing, um, but is it the game you want to be playing? Well, part of that means asking this question of what am I creating in my friendships? What am I creating in my career? What am I creating in my family? Okay, I'm doing a good job at creating what I'm choosing to create, whether I consciously know I'm choosing that or not, but is that working for me? So rarely do people ask this question. It's such a powerful question. Gosh. Is that working for me? Yeah, and you know, I love that you talk about depth 
You know, I think that we live in a world of quantity, more, more, more. And sometimes we miss quality. I used to love the more game, and now I'm, I'm not so much playing that game. I was winning at that game, new game. But I think I, I also was reading about the ego and how it's always shopping to prove its story and that life is like a file cabinet. And if and your ego is always going to shop to pull those files that prove. Um, so, for example, if it believes that people are takers, you're going to constantly look and find those people that are takers because, like Eckhart Tolle says, Nothing is stronger than your desire to keep identifying with the identity you hold. Yeah, our mutual friend Adam Q in Q has a great quote. We'll always find the evidence for what we choose to believe. Mm -hmm. We'll always find that evidence that's there. That's why it's great to just question it and do a little bit of a reset. And you know, sometimes what I find is when it comes to friendships, we, even though we look like adults, all of our shit is stuff from when we were a kid. Yeah. We can remember being in the lunch line and wanting to go sit with a table that we didn't know and them looking over at us and saying there's no space even if there's plenty of space. You know, I I hear all these stories that are there cuz you know, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs. I meet a lot of people who are doing different stuff and I talk to them and when we dig dig dig, it's almost like a therapy session even though I'm not a therapist, you kind of get to these underlining root insecurities that showed up when they were kids and how they're playing out as adults. So questioning is how we get to the root of it all. Yeah, you know, this reminds me of somebody I met in a business group, really successful guy. I saw him take the stage at a huge seminar with thousands of people as a speaker, and I could see his little kid on stage. It was like I couldn't see him. I could tell that like when he was a kid, and maybe this is my own story, but I really felt it intuitively that he'd been bullied. And because the way he was holding the stage, it felt like an energy of like, I'm in charge now, and everybody needs to look at me. Really fascinating. And for me, Last week I was on a talk show and I was at Paramount Studios for it and there was a girl uh, on the studio lot at Paramount on another show and I went to elementary school with her and I remember she threw carrots at me when I was like eight at lunch hour and as a grown ass woman, I'm 31 years old, I saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Christina. She used to throw carrots at me. And I felt totally disenfranchised, like just as an adult, you know, it was like, I never forgot that. So I think it's so true. What do you recommend for people who want to start to look at how they're playing themselves out in their friendships? Well, I think this goes back to even the reason of why do we have friendships? Why do we have relationships in general? And as anybody knows, It's like relationships can be one of the greatest teachers in life. So the beautiful thing from friendships is that your friendships can reflect back on you some of the issues you're struggling with. That's why, you know, it's it's, kind of like if you've ever gone on a date and it's like if somebody in front of you is talking about how crazy their ex-boyfriend is or girlfriend is and they just keep on going on and on and on. You start to think they're crazy, right? You're like, uh, it's you. You are also the crazy one. (laughs) So the thing is, is that we don't want to put all the blame on our friend. Even sometimes a friend who's toxic and there's challenges that are there, we, we need to ask and look if there's a lesson. Is there a lesson that I'm learning through this, especially if it's a repeated pattern? Because actually there's a great quote that I'm actually stealing from you and that I've used a few times. No way. Yes. I've used it many times. It said in life, you don't get what you attract, you get what you put up with. So if people are constantly putting up with the same thing over and over in friendship and relationship, there's a pattern that's there. If there's a pattern, we have to ask ourselves, why are we continuing to choose to play that game even if we don't know it? So I think the first thing is just being aware. 
being aware of how our relationships are showing up and what the patterns are. And it's simple, it's simple things. It could be people who ask you for help and you feel like you just can't say no ever. Yeah. So if you're in a friendship, in a relationship, is the problem the friends who are asking you from for help or is the challenge that you just have put yourself in a place where you feel like you can't say no? Because again, maybe one time when you were a kid or a few times when you were a kid, you found out that people liked you when you were the person that would help them with things, that would do stuff. I will say that in high school especially, I kind of started to develop this identity as the guy who could just get things done, mm -hmm. the resource guy. And so I love, love, love helping people and where I have to watch and set my boundaries is if I'm genuinely in a place where there's too much going on where I can't help somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's me who has a hard time saying no to people. It's not other people asking. So sometimes it's them, sometimes more often than not, it's us. So that's the first step of it, is bringing the awareness to really take this on as a lesson. Once that lesson is there, I mean, there's so much that we can go into it. And I would say the modern day challenge that we're in in the day and age of Instagram friendships, I'll use this as a general term to say many people in the world, and I've been guilty of this too, have relationships that are based on a highlight reel, right? So they do fun and amazing things. They go travel together. They go to dinner, especially here in LA. It's in, in, in our world in yeah. particular, yeah. there's a lot of like doing fun stuff together. Mm -hmm. The only challenge with that is there are certain experiences that we do for fun and there's certain experiences that create depth. Going on like a girl's retreat where it's just a road trip and it's you and a few people and you're doing activities and you're in situations that create deep conversations, that's an example of creating depth. Helping a friend move, right? If you had some downtime and being there and being supportive with them. Helping a friend, you know, here's a perfect example. In this day and age, you know, a lot of people don't know what to do when somebody's family member passes away, Yeah. right? People are like, should I say something? Should I not say something? I just should went I... through this with my sister passing away. So many people were like, I was leaving you alone. I checked in every day. I mean, everybody everybody had a different way of, of showing up. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing is growing up in the Indian tradition, from my background, one thing that we were taught about from a young age is if somebody's going through a major challenge, like a family passing, you don't leave them alone. You <laughs> okay. reach out and let them tell you if they need space, right? Got it. Don't, the worst thing in the world is when people feel isolated and that their group is not there for them. And if people need space, they'll come and tell you and then you back off. That means call them. That means reach out to them. That means show up at their doorstep with food in hand, mm -hmm. right? There, it's like lean into it. And part of that is because we don't really know what people are going through. And I think you can see that in this day and age, which is that people actually have a hard time asking for help from their friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever see that, but I see that people feel like, I don't know if I can even ask my friends to help. So what people do is they suffer in silence, which is part of this growing isolation epidemic. I know I covered a few different topics, but I'd say that, you know, this is how we can be, first of all, let's have the conversation and you're so, you're so great at that, yeah. at hosting the conversation and Thank talking you. about these great things and reflecting on the purpose and the reason why friendships are so important to us and the people that we love and care about. Well, and I think that, you know, the next thing we, we even wrote down to just discuss was the topic of boundaries. And so I think this is an amazing segue into that because why is it that we hold on to things that don't work for us 
when we know maybe and I know that there's a lot of unconscious and subconscious where we're operating in a way where we don't realize something's not working we haven't gotten to that space of awareness where we question uh, things in our operating system but why is it that people get scared or what beliefs do they hold about themselves do you think that keeps them from speaking up and saying hey I need space or hey I want to ask your help because what I've found is that and this has really set so many of my friendships free for example my best friend Nicole she grew up in a Persian family and for her speaking up is just it's really challenging I think in her culture to step into your sense of self you're always supposed to be taking care of somebody and if you want something that's highly individualized it's looked at as an inconvenience a lot of the time in her mm. culture so it's been really difficult for her to speak up with me and now we've been friends for six years so I think about three or four years and we went to Bali and she didn't feel well on the airplane and for some reason she must have had this belief that she was a burden and so she was sitting next to me and she was really quiet and I'm like Nick, what is going on? She's like, I don't feel well. I feel nauseous. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why are you telling me you're sorry that you feel nauseous? I'm sorry you feel nauseous. What do you need? Like, what can I do? And we had this, and and the way she received it was very much like repelling me. Like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, hey, sorry, but like, you're really um, robbing me of the opportunity to be your friend. And it's really frustrating for me. Like I spoke up and I was like, so what can I do to show up for you? Because it doesn't work for me that you put this wall up and pretend that you don't need any support. Like mm -hmm. I hear you if you don't need it, but I can tell that you need something. Like you don't feel well, what can I do? Do you need water? Do you need a bag to vomit in? Like what do you need? And I remember from that moment on, she told me, she realized like she doesn't have to be a burden with me. And to this day, I was just at her family's house and she was saying, Ashley's one of the only people that I can tell her no when it's no, and I could tell her yes when it's yes. And the gift in that is that I have set myself free even more. And I'm pretty good at this already. This is one of my things, but I'm able to say no to her and not have to go into a story in my head of like, is she judging me? Is this not okay? Because when you're able to stand in your own boundaries, you can set somebody else free to stand in theirs. So true. And I think that you mentioned something so key, which is that, you know, just think about the times in your life. How many times have you had a chance to practice this? Yeah. You've probably just had sheer amount of practice that you've had with difficult conversations. You've realized and you've gotten to a point in your life, if you weren't this way, you know, the entire way growing up, you got to a point in your life where you realize that there's, there's no reward in suffering in silence and you have practice. You know, most of us don't have great examples of people who communicate clearly, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just the honest truth. We speak to others how we were spoken to. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't grow up in a family that had incredible communication and teaching you about setting boundaries and talking to people, and there's a way to do it that's kindly and yet still fully expressing yourself, then you're not going to know. And then on top of that, what college is going to give you a class that's going to be, you know, a class in boundaries and effective communication. What happens is we leave school, we get into the world, and we have to figure this out on our own. So the first thing is we suck at it because we haven't had practice. And why that's important is that if people embrace that, they're going to be looking for little opportunities to practice this, knowing they'll get better over time. And sometimes it's as simple as the following thing. Sometimes I'll write scripts for people mm -hmm. that will help them in the process, it could be as simple as, hey, this is a little bit tough for me to talk about. And then you go into it. Yeah. Just that alone. If it's tough, okay, sure that it's tough. Hey, I'm I don't norm I'm not always good at setting my boundaries. So this is tough for me to talk about. But I'm gonna tell you that what you're asking for is a little too much. And it's mm -hmm. been happening too frequently 
So let's talk about it. Right? I, and also, I think somebody the other day emailed me um, and they said, I need your help with something. I think asking for help. I, this is really tough for me. I'm, I'm going to need your help having this conversation. Totally. You know, really just, incredible. Just even starting off with it's tough for me, that sort of diffuses the situation. Mm -hmm. It diffuses it. Uh, you know, John Gottman, who's the uh, founder of the Gottman Institute, specializes in relational therapy, um, was made well known through the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell because he would look at couples that would argue and in a matter of a 30-minute conversation, he could pick out just a few key moments and predict their likelihood of getting divorced. Yes, amazing. Right? Incredible. So one of the things that he talks about is a soft starter. So in difficult conversations, we bring in a soft starter. A soft starter is a way to diffuse the situation and not come at somebody and not try to make it a thing about them, but just figure out a way to start the conversation that is allowing you to express how you feel. And one of the easiest ways to do that is exactly what you said. This is tough for me to bring up and I have a hard time asking for help. And then you go into what it is. Exactly. And it's only through practice that we'll get better. Yep. You didn't get this way. You didn't become Ashley just overnight, or maybe you did. <laughs> straight took, out the womb, Drew. Straight out the womb. What's up, y'all? These What's are my up? boundaries. What's up? I got my boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> you better recognize. <laughs> it, takes, it, takes, it takes practice, yeah. and it takes time, and you have to be gentle with yourself. Yeah. So that's the first and most important thing because people beat themselves up when they don't speak up. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you found yourself a situation, they reflect on their day, they're about to go to sleep and their mind is racing, they're like, shit, I didn't speak up in this meeting, I didn't speak up in this situation, I didn't tell my partner this was important to me. Okay, great, tomorrow's another day, we're gonna practice it. for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to uturnpodcast.com slash clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. You know what, you're hitting on one of the biggest tools that I learned in my master's in spiritual psychology, which is looking at life as an experiment. So let's see, say you notice a pattern and if you were, you know, right now you're listening and you're realizing, wow, the last five friends that have left my life are because I cut them out and it was in a really dramatic way. That's a pattern. So one of the ways that I've looked at this is through an experiment and the concept of creating an experiment. Because the thing about commitment is that some people repel it because it feels like it's a big change to your paradigm. And it could be intimidating to say, I'm going to make a commitment to go cold turkey and never do this or that again. But if you make something into an experiment, and I've found this as in private coaching as well in the past, that if I'm looking at somebody saying, okay, this is a really strong paradigm that they have, and I'm not going to expect them or me to change this paradigm overnight but what I can't and yes paradigms do change overnight if you're committed to that but I think what I've been trying to do is say okay let's try an experiment let's just say at least once over the next seven days you set a boundary when you typically wouldn't have and I've had so many friends and clients and and people say okay one time I can do and the thing is, is that it's a positive feedback loop, right? Because maybe they set the boundary and it brings up a lot for them to work through. But maybe they set the boundary and they realize like, oh, wow, now that I spoke up, I don't have to do this thing that really sucks that I hate. And I'm so proud of myself that now I have Monday to myself. I don't need to go spend the whole day doing something that 
I was scared to tell people I don't want to do. So, it's yeah. So, it's so true. And I think that if you go off of that theme, you know, talking about spirituality, Eckhart Tolle, all this stuff, it's like if we go a little bit deeper, the other thing that I think that's there is that when you're honest with people and you have a direct conversation, it doesn't allow you to keep playing games with the stories you made up in your head. You know, people don't wake up and their first their first thought isn't how they're going to fuck you over. Right. So even if you're dealing with a really difficult personality in your life, some, there's tension. What I've found is that I often, until I bring it up with them directly, I don't know fully what's going on for them. I've had a difficult conversation with somebody and said, listen, I can't be there the way you need me right now. And also, I don't feel like you fully show up for me. It's like there's been times that I've been there and I've needed you and you kind of disappear or this is going on. And it's like you come into my world and asking for help on this thing. Like I just that's not the role that I want to play right now. Mm -hmm. Like I love you. I care about you. I want you to do amazing. And they sometimes come back and are like, you know what? I can respect that. And I've been dealing with this situation. My parents are super sick and this is what's going on. You know, that's going on. You know, we make up all these stories around the people in our lives. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, sometimes we keep those stories alive and we don't have honest conversations with people as a way to preserve this idea that we have. So I think the key is and the grace of the whole situation is you can bring things up directly with people and kind of keep your story to the side, not say that you believe in it. Just say like, look, this is uncomfortable for me. I don't know what this person's dealing with. I don't know what their motivation is. I don't know what's going on with them. That doesn't excuse the fact that they're acting this way with me, that they're being a toxic friend, that they're, you know, saying negative things, that they're being, you know, they're making me feel guilty. You know, we don't know what their situation is, but let's keep our story on the side and just bring it up directly. And then if they open up with something else, then decide how we want to proceed from there. I love that. And what it reminds me of is in dating, like how many friends I've had, if I had a penny for every person that told me that somebody didn't text them back and the story that they go into of like why this guy or girl didn't text them back, like, oh, he's ghosting me and like he is like not a good guy or all the stories and only to find like at the end of the day, the person will text them back and be like, hey, sorry for the lag. Like my phone died and I was on a boat somewhere. You know what I mean? Like there's always something. There's always something. And if you see that a lot, you know, you posted this, I stalk your Instagram. So tell me you posted this uh, photo. I mean, that's what happens when you follow people. I stalk yours. (laughs) What did I post? So yes. And if that pattern shows up repeatedly and repeatedly, repeatedly, maybe this person just doesn't have the ability to tell you that, Hey, I want to sleep with you, but I don't want a relationship. Yeah. Right. Like they just want to hang on to you in a way that that's, you know, they have other motivations. Totally. So if there's repeated patterns that don't feel good to you, then you just address it directly. Like, Hey, listen then. I thought we had a great first date. I thought we had a great second and third date. I want to spend time with you. Do you want to spend time with me? You know, and I also like, like, this is where I want to go. And then you, you put this person in a place where they just have the ability to be direct with you in, in life. We always have the option in friendship, in relationship in everything in work. We can either choose to be the lead or not. Mm -hmm. And the honest to God truth about relationships in life is that it's never 50, 50. It's usually one person is kind of leading the situation. Now, over time, the healthiest friendships, and our friendship is exactly one of those, you kind of come in and out of playing the lead. One person plays the lead and they organize some stuff. Another person plays the lead. You know, we're constantly learning and that's that ebb and flow that's there. But in especially difficult situations and circumstances, you have to choose whether or not you're going to step in show up as the leader, especially if somebody, something isn't working for you. And uh, the quote that you had posted was like a billboard. They had this like sign and it was like, 
you know, make time for the people that make time for you. Yes. And I thought that was so beautiful. It was, it was also the extent of like, pay attention to who makes time for you versus contacts you just when they have time. Yeah, exactly. I think it was like, um, there's people that contact you when, uh, they're free and there's people that like make time to contact you. Yes. That's so true. I love, I love that billboard. When I saw it, I was like, yes. And you know, I also just want to note that for everybody listening, a lot of patterns with yourself, patterns with other people, uh, it's really just comes down to the neutrality of seeing your relationships, your friendships, whether it's romantic or not, as an opportunity to collect information. And I think a lot of the times we taint the information by making assumptions and we create an entire story web about it. So for example, dating, which is different than friendships, but it's all kind of the same as just- Still communication. Re- communication and relating to people. Sometimes I'll just look at a guy that I've been seeing and I'll say, I wonder if he's going to contact me after that. I just want to collect that information. Like, does he have good follow up? Is he going to drop the ball? Like, is this a pattern? And so I kind of try to approach relationships and friendships from a place of I'm just going to collect information. So, for example, when I'm going through something really hard, I'm not judging. I'm trying not to at least judge the people in my life, whether they show up or not. I'm just using it to say I'm just collecting information like who's showing up right now when I'm going through something and who's kind of dropping off and forgetting that it's happening. And it's been such a profound experience for me uh, in realizing where certain things are at and following your guidance here, not making a story. I had a friend who was a lot more absent when my sister was passing away than the others. Uh, you know, I had Amanda Bucci who was texting me screenshots of her schedule. Oh, what up, Boochmaster Flex? And um, she was texting me screenshots and she's got thousands of clients and she's like, hey, these are all my calls and I'm happy to move them. So this is the only one that's really hard for me to move. Uh, and, and then there was other friends who would send food to my parents' house and I didn't need any of that. It was just really beautiful to see how people were showing up. And there was one friend who just went really, really quiet. And when I saw her later, I didn't really have any stories, but I did notice it and I was a little bit hurt. And she'd said, hey, you know, full disclosure, I had no idea what to do with you when your sister was dying. Like, I didn't know if I was bothering you by reaching out. I didn't know if you wanted me to show up. And I was like, oh, well, why didn't you ask? And she was like, it almost felt like a lot to be asking you about me being your friend when you had all this going on. And I had so much compassion for her. And it's been really interesting because after my sister passed, there was, we did a memorial and she had a necklace on in the memorial video. And I told this friend, I said, oh, I wish that, I wish that I had that necklace. Like I, I gave it back to her. She, she lent it to me and I gave it back to her and now she's gone and I don't know where this necklace is. Mm. And this friend of mine went out and found a replica of it and mailed it to me in the mail. And it meant so much to me and, and I wear it almost every day. And it was like, oh wow, noted. She knows how to show up in her generosity this way, in her thoughtfulness this way. Um, But maybe when something is an active live situation, she doesn't know what I need. And it was such a beautiful opportunity to value somebody based on how they know how to be in the world and an opportunity for me not to go into a story that people don't know how to, certain people don't know how to be there for me. Uh, That's so so true. And I think that the beautiful thing that you did in that situation is you, you heard your friend out and you also whether it was direct or not, you you showed her how she could show up. Yeah. You know, part of this investment in each other and having deep connections and friendship is that it, there's even when things go 
are challenging, even if sometimes there's a breakdown, there's a reason why you like this person. There's a reason why you're drawn to them. And it's too easy in this day and age to write it off. You know, a lot of people even ghost friendships or just let it fizzle out and die instead of just coming and saying, hey, listen, I, I kind of was a little hurt. I'm not going to make it into a whole thing. I felt the feelings of being hurt and I just wanted to share. Like, it would have been nice to hear from you. I'm not making you wrong. I'm not making this. I'm not making that. Another person being like, you know what? This is the reason why I didn't do it. I didn't know what to do, that sort of stuff. And now think about how much stronger you guys are and how much stronger your friendship is because it was talked about. Yeah. And I think the thing is right now, people are not talking about it. It tends to be that they don't talk about it. And I think that if there's any takeaway from this podcast, it's like increasing that communication, whether it's your friendship, your relationship, and talking about those aspects so you can take that breakdown and turn it into something that can be positive for your relationship. Well, and on that note, it's also really, there's a couple things. Number one, I don't talk to everybody about my issue because there's only certain friendships that I value in a way where I'm like, this is worth me going into the discomfort and telling them. And I know that this friendship can hold the feedback. I know that we have a foundation. There's a, so I've also taken it as a, a meter for me of like, okay, this is a friend that I like and, and value, but they're not somebody that I'm going to go fix the situation with. Like, I don't feel that kind of connection to them. Secondly, maybe you do want to go in and talk to somebody and kind of back to what we just talked about of collecting neutral feedback. There's a neutrality to saying, I'm going to go talk to this person and I want to see if they can hold that with me. Like, is our friendship in a place? Um, is our connection in a place? Or are they in a place in their own development where they can hold feedback and hold communication and mirror me and meet me in that? Because not everybody can meet you in these sorts of conversations. And that itself is powerful information for you in deciding, is this a, a friendship that I want to weave into my life all the time? Or is this somebody that can't really hold my feedback? And, and that's okay. They don't have to be wrong for it. But that might not be the depth that you're looking for. You're 100% right. And I just don't want people choosing that before they've made that attempt. Yeah. What I see now is people put a series of experiences together with someone and they decide for them. Mm -hmm. They decide for them that that friend is not somebody that can be there for them. That friend is not. And I asked them, did you ever give them the opportunity? It kind of goes back to this uh, quote that one of my mentors shared with me. He said, if you have a problem, then the problem is yours. Mm -hmm. So if you're hurt by it, and I think this is where it comes to feeling it in your body and being honest with yourself. What's the best way to gauge whether or not you want to talk something through with somebody? Well, if you have a problem, then the problem is yours. Yeah. So there's only one person that's suffering from it. So you can choose if you want to address it directly or not. And the easy way to write it off is say, oh, this person can't be there for me. It's like, okay, that might be true, but did you give them the shot? Mm -hmm. Did you give them the shot? Did you give them the opportunity? And more importantly, it's okay and it's great practice to express your boundaries to people who can't show up and can't be there for you because that, like you said, is information. Yeah, it's information. That's information and it's practice for you. But if you have a problem, it's your opportunity to lean in and address it. Yes. And I, so here's my question for you, for everybody listening, I think. You, you know my friends, You've we've, we're always at the same gatherings and there are some that I'm really close to. There's others where I'm noticing in my body it takes energy to be around them and I don't have a feeling that they're a bad person. In fact, there's a couple of them that I'm like, you're a really good soul and I feel really tired when I'm around you. This doesn't work for me. Um, and so my conclusion has been like, I don't really want to lean in and tell them I'm really 
tired around them just because that feels, I don't know. It it also in the wrong context could be mean. Yeah. Right. And so I think the first and foremost thing is you're hundred percent right. And it's, I'm not going out there giving radical honesty to different people that are out there. I think the, this is where the mismatch happens. We have a we have a group of people that are close to us that we can have depth with, and you just want to make sure you have everybody in the right bucket for you. There's mm-hmm. certain friends that you go and travel with, and you have great experiences, and you see them a couple times a year, and it's so much fun. But it might not be the person that you call at 2 a.m. Yeah. Right. Then you have other friends who you're super close to, and that depth is there, and you can go deep, but you just may not see them as frequently. We are living in a day and age where we have to get things from different people, Mm -hmm. partly because of moving from different cities, partly because of how life is organized, partly because we're not all in the same village. So I think the first and most important question is, what bucket are you placing somebody in? Are you placing them in this bucket that you keep and reserve your energy for close people who are also reinvesting in you and they don't have that ability, but they're trying to get into there, right? Then I think that it's okay, and sometimes it's like to keep them at you know at a little bit of a distance and have them in the bucket that makes sense for them but i think it first starts with you and then in that situation there's going to be times that it's appropriate and there's times it's not what i will say is this if you have a friend in your life that really likes you and they're drawn to your bright shining personality and you're doing great things what i often see is this and i've experienced this in my own life is you know, let's say they want to be close to you mm-hmm. and you can feel their energy trying to be close 100%, to you. 100%. I know exactly right? how this goes. Yeah. You, f- they, you feel their energy constantly. Hey, let's hang out. Let's do this. Let's do that. But you have made the determination that they just haven't shown up. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've dropped the ball. They can't be there. Or when you get together, it's all about them. Mm. What I've seen is the challenge is that and if there are genuine different dynamics between male, female, or masculine and feminine relationships, I have two sisters I know because I talk about friendship and they're like, it's different for women, let me tell you. (laughs) And so I wanna acknowledge that, but one thing that I've seen is that then you can end up feeling guilty if they put you in an awkward position where they're like, well, I asked you to hang out next week, like, and why don't we hang out? Okay, let's do the week afterwards. And if you just don't wanna hang out with them. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, that's the question, you know, there's no right or wrong thing, but just realize that if you don't deal with it, then what's the feeling that you get? You feel this feeling of being guilty. You feel this feeling of avoiding them. You feel this heaviness. So even in a way, even though you're not spending that much time with them, you're left with that feeling of being heavy. So you know what? It's an awkward conversation, but you have to decide. Are you okay with that heaviness, with that feeling, with that feeling of guilt that sometimes people place on themselves? Like, shit, like I'm kind of avoiding them. Well, I got their text, but I don't want to respond quickly because, you know, and then you're playing these games. And it's all friend ghosting and it's all the friend stuff. ghosting and it's games and other stuff. Now, there are some times in life where people are not the right fit and they just naturally sort of fall away. And in that sense, like they, ghost each other at the same time yeah which is not a problem Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be real that's happened and that happens because we're just meeting more people than we could ever imagine in our like dna was designed that's how i feel sometimes. so you can't always have that conversation and it's not worthwhile for you or them and you end up being the mean person you end up being this but there are times where that conversation has to be had when there is somebody that continuously is popping up in your world and you're left with this guilty feeling or this heaviness feeling, you have to make the determination and there's a way to do it that's super honest. There's a way to do it super honest but also genuinely kind. Mm. I've had it happen before and again, everybody has to figure out for them but it's like, 
hey, I wanted to reach out because, and you have to ask yourself, is it just that you just don't like them? That's the one that's tougher. If you just don't like them and it's not your preference to hang out with them and you can't point it to anything in specific, I mean, I don't have any feedback for that. Well, I don't have I, any suggestions. So here's what I've been doing with that. So, because I, I have a couple friends where I actually think they're good. Like I said, like one in particular, she's a really good soul. But like I said, I, I just feel tired around her because on Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFJ. So J, for those of you who do Myers-Briggs, J is the person who's very well scheduled. And I love that because I think my discipline creates my freedom. So the better I schedule, the more space I have on my calendar because I scheduled a ton of space. This friend is ENFP. So she's basically the same way in the world as me, except for a P is somebody who likes to go with the flow, changes plans, cancels, doesn't show up, da 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 And, and it's ironic I'm talking to you about this, Drew, because the past few times I was supposed to see you, I've moved the plan, which is very unusual for me. But it's a personality clash because this friend of mine... You know, every time we plan something, she's two hours late. Um, she forgot something. She's kind of in a whirlwind. And for me, energetically, it's been really tiring. Um, so Not just tiring. Can I can I just interrupt you for one second? Yeah. It's also hurtful. Yeah. It's also hurtful when it happens repeatedly. Yeah. And it's, let me ask you, like, was it hurtful for you? Like, does it besides it just being tiring? Like, tiring is one thing. Like, oh, I feel like just a little bit more drained. But was it also a little hurtful for you? Well, yeah, because I think you're not honoring the person like you know for me my schedule it matters to me and so when somebody kind of is like now i'm on the way an hour later yeah it hurts my i don't feel like respected and i think that's so important to acknowledge because it's like it's hard for us sometimes to say like that kind of hurt me yeah right this has been happening a lot it's like it's hurtful like i planned this thing out and you showed up an hour later i wonder where i stand in your world do I matter to you? Mm. Is this important? I just want to make sure we don't write it off. I know you weren't saying this, but I want to make sure we're just not writing it off with tired because if there's other deeper feelings that are there, so true. it's important to honor that and, and really look at that because sometimes people need to hear that they hurt you. God, that's so crazy because this girl, I, I see her as a bright, shiny light and she's not somebody I would ever say is hurtful, but it is hurtful. Like it the way hurtful. you're talking about it. It's like, yeah, when you can't, meet people and the way that I've dealt with it and I and I hate to admit this but I always try to keep it 100 on this thing is that I've just been busier and so whenever she reaches out sometimes I'll see her if I'm feeling the the energy because I guess I've gone in to acceptance of like this is the way she is she's always late and not having that conversation that you're recommending so I've kind of just decided when I'm energetically game for her. So some weeks I'm like, you know what? I have an easy breezy Sunday. I don't mind putting her on my calendar at 10 a.m. for brunch. And I don't mind if she's an hour late and I don't mind being in my flow. And I'll see her. But most of the time it's like, hey, oh yeah, I would love to see you crazy week. Like, let me get back to you. And I purposely drop the ball. And when I'm being really honest with myself, I'm pretty authentic in my day to life. But when I look at that, I'm like, well, that's kind of fucking fake, you know, like for me to be like, oh, I'm really busy. It's like, well, I'm not too busy for the people that I don't want to be too busy with, uh, too busy yeah, for. I think it's a tough thing to navigate, but I think that, you know, we're all, first of all, you're doing your best, yeah. right? We're all trying it. We're all conversating. And I think this is why the subtleties of this all matter. I think that when we talked about it being hurtful, I do feel that especially like in her case where she's a bright, sunny personality, you know, when you tell people how they hurt you and that you first of all it takes courage especially if you're somebody that has always done stuff on your own you're independent you're a leader you're doing things it's hard to admit that somebody got to you and that it, something was hurtful 
right? Yeah. So that's where our own growth is there. And how you show up in one thing is often how it shows up in other areas too. So I love practicing if somebody hurt me, like to be honest with that, because if I'm in a relationship and that happens too, I want to practice it there. Yeah. And so that somebody knows. Telling somebody you hurt them is giving them the opportunity to make it up mm. instead of you holding on to it. Right. Mm. That's the that's the thing is you're actually giving somebody a gift when you bring it up the right way. Now, what they do with that information, if they can process it, that's up to them. So I also think it's draining to delay and not get back to people and you have to play this whole game. Yes. That's there. So there's the approach of just being honest and saying, like, look, going back to this idea of like, this is weird for me to bring up. I've done this so many times, even still to date with friendship, is that, you know what? Honestly, I even feel silly bringing this up because I feel like it's such a small thing and there's so many avenues and aspects where I love you and you're amazing and you've done things for me, but I realize like, if I'm not gonna be direct with you, I'm not giving you the opportunity to know how it's showing up and affecting the relationship. Yeah. And it's a small thing, but when you're running late, when you're doing this, when it's all about you, this is what it kind of leaves me feeling and I found myself kind of avoiding hanging out together yeah and i don't want to do that i love you i care about you and i think if we just like talked about that then we wouldn't be in that position mm. right so sometimes a relationship has the opportunity to be to to go into repair and repair takes honest communication that's there and if it's awkward and it's weird because friends don't always give each other feedback then fine just say you know what this is awkward and this is weird but this is important to me the second thing that I say is that sometimes I have friends that are in that space that are a whirlwind or might be this or there's clashing personalities and I might set up social situations or opportunities where we still get to see each other but it's on my terms. Yeah. Right? And either sometimes I'll vocalize that directly like, hey, listen, like every time we hang out, it's a little bit crazy. So why don't we do this together? Great. Why don't we go and exercise? Why don't we go walk and talk? Why don't we do this? Or I'll do a group hangout. If they say like, hey, let's hang out and I respect them and I love them and there's things that I care about them. You know me, I'm always hosting game nights. Yeah, you right? are. It's I love best. having people over and it's like, maybe I don't wanna hang out with them one-on-one -on -one for different reasons, right? So I might say, okay, come to this dinner, come to this game night. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of ways to navigate, but the first and foremost thing is we have to figure out, you know, I divide into two different things. Are we genuinely avoiding somebody because there's something deeper going on? Mm -hmm. Or as Byron Katie says, it is it just our preference? My preference is you're an amazing person. I'm not trying to change you. I'm not trying to make anything wrong about you. I just don't love hanging out with you one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Right? And that's okay to how admit you, to yourself. But how do you admit that to them? Because remember you were talking about how you kind of were like, well, if you don't really like them and da-da-da, okay, we need to figure out how to say something. But the situation where you do like them, you just don't really want to make the time right now. How do, yeah. you, how do you connect with somebody about that when they keep following up? Because I have three DMs on my Instagram this week of people being like, hey, let's get lunch. And I'm like, shit, I really can't. Like I, I just need space on my schedule right now and I need to see the people that are already totally committed and invested in a relationship with me. I don't think there's a right way to tell people who want to hang out with you. Yeah, what the fuck? I think that you're just trying and it's personalized for the situation. I think in certain things where it's like, you know, hey, because you don't want to come off as mean. Yeah, and you I don't, don't want to come off like Paris Hilton, like, I ain't got the time for you because I'm this big thing. You know, like, I don't, I judge myself as sounding like I'm better than because I'm not making time when that couldn't be further from the truth. I think it's okay to say like, hey, listen, right now, I'm just practicing, focusing on a few different, on like, a, just like a few things. And 
I love it and I appreciate it. And it's like, this is just not the time. I mean, you hear Tim Ferriss and other people talk about this stuff. Sometimes when the volume is just so much, you just can't even respond. Yeah. Right. But if you do know people, I think it's just okay to say like, hey, I just can't do this right now. Yeah. And it's like, especially if you're a caring person, it's not so much your response that you're worried about. It's their reaction you're worried about. Which is the whole boundary thing that keeps people from setting boundaries is fear of what other people will think. So I think this right. is a really good spot for everybody listening. It's like, why don't you speak up? What are you believing about you, about them, about the world if you do speak up? Yeah, maybe they're going to be okay with your response, right? Or maybe they're going to overreact. In that case, now you know. Yeah. Right. It's I always say that I love being direct with my employees, with my team, with the people around me, because if I'm kind and direct, however they respond is a predictor of whatever was going to happen in the future. If you're scared to bring something up with your friend because they're going to go ape shit. Yeah. Well, guess what? You not bringing it up just means that some other thing is going to happen in your life and your relationship that's going to make it go ape shit later on. Yeah. So it's like bring it up kindly and directly and you get to learn the conclusion sooner. Mm-hmm. And so is it about the response? Because you just gave a great response. And obviously there's ways to soften that and make that nice and kind and whatever. Or is it that we have fear of what their reaction is going to be, which is related to, I think, something else. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things kind of in my master's in psych, I mean, it's been so many years, but you're bringing this up because a lot of the spiritual program was about boundaries is incomplete cycles of action. They called it ICAs. And an incomplete cycle of action could be a stack of books on your night shelf that you never get to. Um, Speaking of Byron Katie, loving what is, I keep telling myself I'm going to read it again. It's been on my night shelf. Um, Or it could be conversations you haven't had. And I think you're giving a great example for a lot of people to take a look at their ICAs because those three DMs in my Instagram inbox where I'm like trying to figure out how to tell somebody, hey, like I just can't hang out right now, but I always love people. I always love new friends. I love that. And this is just where I'm at right now, my preference. And so it's interesting because I find that you're right. What you're talking about is energy being tied up in incomplete tasks, conversations you haven't had. And believe it or not, that you know, studies show that you are keeping those um, as a distraction on your mind and in your being. So I'm going to ask any of you listening right now, where do you have ICAs? Where do you have incomplete cycles of action, whether it's conversations they're not having with friends, uh, conversations you're not having at work, where are you not being direct, whether it's a book on your shelf at, that you're keeping, put it away if you're not going to read it. Just something for you to ask yourself. Oh, it's so great. I, can I bring up one yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the most powerful activities that I do in the week is I write a list of what am I avoiding. Mm, love and it. I, I just pull out a notepad, my little Muji notepad, a pen, I put away the computer, and I just sit and I say, what am I avoiding and what am I like kind of afraid of, right? So things might show up. It could even be this email that's sitting in your inbox mm-hmm. that's just there and it's starred and you haven't dealt with it and it's week number two because I'm afraid of telling somebody that maybe that deal isn't going to happen, right? I'm afraid of telling somebody this or that. And just the first step is always acknowledging it. And then I ask myself, why am I avoiding this thing? And it goes back to just this thing that you're sharing. And I think the thing is all these ICAs, right? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ICAs and these things that are incomplete, they occupy mental energy, even if they're not on the forefront of your mind. So when your mental energy is occupied with these things, it's harder for you to give love and attention to things in your life that you want to give to. So just being honest about them, just knowing that they're there, then looking at them all individually and unpacking what are you making it mean and what's the story about the situation. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Drew, we've covered so much 
so many things that people get uncomfortable with me being one of them in the past, especially on the note of health. And I know that, you know, we're low on time soon, but I wanted to get this in. Like, how is it impacting everyone who's listening? How is it impacting their health to keep these um, friendships that aren't working for them or withholding from these conversations? And what is just the impact of friendship on your health in general? Yeah, it's so important. You know, the science of how our friendships and relationships impact our genes is called sociogenomics. And there's a ton of literature on this topic. And I made a documentary with my business partner, Dr. Hyman, called Broken Brain. And we unpack a little bit of it. We talk about it in our podcast. But the first, one of the first key concepts and ideas when it comes to health and friendships is that friendships are contagious. Now you just have to ask yourself, what are they going to be contagious about? You are more likely, think about this, you're more likely to become obese if your best friend is obese or develop smoking habits if your best friend is smoking than if your parent or spouse is obese or smoking. There was a study uh, done by the New England Journal of Medicine which looked at the Farmingham data, which was over 32, 32 years, they looked at clusters of different friend groups and they basically came to the conclusion that found that um, obesity, like medical obesity, which was one thing that they were tracking, was a contagious thing, just like the flu. So however we're spending time, and everybody's heard that quote, you know, you're the average of the five people you yeah. spend times, time with, but it actually has a practical implication when it comes to our health, when it comes to how we show up. Studies have also found that when you get sick and you have the flu, if you don't have people checking in on you, if you don't have friends that you reach out to and say that this is what I'm going through, and, and if you don't have people checking in on you or bringing you soup, you recover half as fast as people who do. Wow. Just think about that. Just even the presence of people texting you, checking in on you, FaceTiming you, of course they tell you that when you have the flu, you know, stay at home, so you may not be around these people, but when you have people that care about you, I believe, and we're gonna probably figure out the data later on, that there's something that happens in your soul, there's something that happens in your DNA where you feel like, People have my back. And I want to get better so I can go and be I want, with them. And I want to get better. And I'm and you're answering the ultimate ultimate spiritual question, which is, am I alone? Yeah. And when you have people around you that have your back, that love and care about you, and that you get the chance to do it for them too, there's something that connects us on the deepest level of, of why we're here on the planet. So there's so much that's there in that topic of sociogenomics, but know that this isn't just things that are good to do or that have a small impact in your life or health you know they're they're big things and they're constantly influencing us there's a book called the blue zones it's the study of the five longest living societies that are here on earth that are here today and the one of the things that's central to the book is in addition to what these groups eat and how they show up for um, how they eat and where they might live in the world a central part to why they have such a high concentration of centenarians, people who live over 100 years old, is their social structure. Mm -hmm. So for example, one of the groups in Japan, they have a word for your sort of lifelong best friend, the person that you're bonded to and that you check in on each other. Uh, the word is escaping me, but there's a lifelong best friend that you have that even if you don't spend the most time with each other, you are bonded and committed to making sure that each other is okay in life. Just having things like that, having dinner together, regularly getting together. Right now, we're like an Uber Eats culture. A lot of people that are young, 
even if you're like in your 30s, mid 30s, as people are getting married later on in life. And so the byproduct of that is we're eating alone often. You digest food better when you're in the company of other people instead of just eating and watching Netflix in front of you, which is fine sometimes and enjoyable, but we're trying to hack and create at the end of the day, our modern day rituals to accommodate for the life that we want to leave right now. So that might mean just putting on your calendar a regular dinner that always happens and maybe it's a different friend that's hosting it and it doesn't have to be fancy, but it just happens. You have to opt out of it instead of opting in to it. So creating these little rituals of how community gets together regularly in our life is how we make sure that we all don't drive ourselves towards isolation, which has so many impact impacts when it comes to our long-term health. So funny, you're reminding me how today earlier I was literally in front of the TV with a box of special case cereal eating all of it. Like, sounds like a bad episode on Broken Brain Podcast. <laughs> but, you know, eating alone. And also, I have a friend this week and it, it seems like he's passing a kidney stone. And so I've followed up with him like three or four times and he keeps saying, thank you so much for checking in. I'm in so much pain. And I sent him a little video and I, I did like a funny Instagram filter of me like sending light to the little stone in his urethra trying to make his way out. Oh and, and you know, that. and it leveled his spirits up, you know, and, and he left a party the other day, um, went to the ER because of it. And it's so interesting. We're also caught in our own lives. We do forget to check in with people, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So I love that we're talking about this. And it makes me want to just complete this conversation with the idea of how to level up. And one of the things that you said just now that I, I wrote down was rituals. Like, I love that you have game night and it's kind of a, a place that you can go to say, hey, busy week, but come to this. It's like you've set aside this time. You get high leverage on it because you get to connect with people. Although sometimes in groups, it's like we don't connect at all because there's just so many people. Um, but I would love your feedback. Like, What are some other ways? We talked about checking up when somebody doesn't feel well. One thing that I've done is, is really, really ask around, what are your birthdays? Putting it in my calendar, getting a notification. It means the world to people the day before or the week of their birthday to be like, it's your birthday this week. What it's do you want to do to celebrate? And that's something I've really been big on. Um, what are some other ways that you yeah. recommend? So the one hack that I'm going to bring in that is so crucial because we want to get out of the quantity game, mm -hmm. right? It's not the number of friendships that you have, it's the quality. Yep. And then even within that, it's not how much time you spend with a friend because sometimes people are genuinely busy and they have work going on and other stuff, but it's the quality of those interactions. So when that commitment is there, when we see one of the biggest returns on investment that we could possibly have is first and foremost gratitude. Telling a friend how grateful you are for them. Just letting them know how much they mean to you. What I often find is that there's people that care about each other, they haven't fully told each other, then they have a little riff or a breakdown or a miscommunication, and they both think that the other person doesn't care about them as much as they care about the other person, right? Mm -hmm. I care about you more than you care about me, and neither one of them has ever truly expressed to the other person how much they mean to them. Mm -hmm. So I do a very simple thing, and this is a little hack that I'm gonna give everybody. I tend to do it on Sundays, you know there's times where you reach for your phone and Instagram and you just want to incessantly scroll? Well, I'm going to give you another opportunity to scroll that's going to actually create dopamine in your body and connection and all those other great stuff. So I say go over to your address book in your phone, whether it's random or scroll through it and think about a friend that you haven't talked to in a little while and somebody that you just intrinsically might feel connected to want to send them a message. 
and then go over to the text message and whether it's an audio note, you, I love audio notes. So yeah. I might just hit record and I send them a two minute audio note. Even if I haven't seen them in a long time and say, Hey Jay, I know we haven't seen each other a long time, but I was thinking about you today. I just want to share with you, man. I know this is really random, but I just am so appreciative of all the time that we got, you know, in that first job together after college. I can think about how many times we laughed. I can think about how many times we went to different events together. And I just want you to know, like, that was a really crucial period of my time in my life. And I learned this and this. And I just want you to know, like, I have your back. I care about you. If you ever need anything, I'm here. I know we don't see each other often, but I care about you. So sending something like that, you just made somebody's fucking day, their month, mm -hmm. you know, their week. So when you go and you express gratitude to the people that are in your life, not only do they get the benefit, but you get the benefit from it. You're reminded. The human mind is great. It's always looking for homeostasis, meaning it's always looking for an equilibrium. So we tend to forget both the bad, but we also tend to forget the good. So we forget how many people are there for us. We forget how many people are in our lives that when we're going through a difficult challenge, like trying to make a career change, we forget all the people that would be there for us if we simply just reached out to them. Yes. So it's not only a reminder for them, it's a reminder for you. So the number one thing that I would say is expressing gratitude. Amazing. The second thing is, is looking at rituals that can be brought in. It's literally getting a small group of people together. I do this with a group of guys. There's about six to eight guys that I, I'm very close friends with here in Santa Monica. And the lovely thing that we have access to us here in LA is we have some beautiful hikes in any direction just like 15 minutes away. So I literally made something up with my friends and it's called Man Morning Thursday. <laughs> Every Thursday, without fail, unless we're all out of town, we go, we have a thing on our calendar. So it's a Google Calendar invite, it's there. We all go on a hike together and we just talk about what's important to us. And then we systemized it over a little bit of time. You know, we have a captain of the week. That person brings a question of the week just to drive some introspective Amazing. conversation. And you have to opt out of it. So you're considered in unless you opt out. And it's fine. Sometimes people are traveling. Sometimes they're doing other stuff. See, the thing is, when we used to all live in little villages right next to each other or in the same village, ritual was a regular part of our life. We had the Shabbat dinner. We had the um, every full moon there was something going on. We were celebrating the harvest. Ritual was part of our existence because at, we needed others to survive. We needed others to actually live and make it through the world, whether it was hunting, fetching water, doing whatever else. Now in our modern day and age, the beautiful thing is we have individuality and we don't have to be the same profession as everybody in our village. If our entire village was you know, blacksmiths or, or, you know, cotton pickers or this, if we said, I want to be a poet, they would look at you and say, you're freaking crazy. <laughs> and at least we live in a day and age where we can have that individualistic life and create our life the way that we want to. But now we're trying to merge the two. We're trying to go back in time and take the concept of a ritual and make it part of our life. Because I'll tell you what doesn't work. What doesn't work when you're leveling up is constantly trying to plan something new each and every time. That's taxing, especially if you're the only friend that is the one that's the planner. Then you start to resent other people. So when you make it a ritual, you're also asking your friends to step into it and make it a thing. Mm -hmm. Make it a thing. So how do you make it a thing? That might mean that sometimes I'm hosting game night and sometimes somebody else is hosting game night. But once a month, hey, give it a name. It's our once a month game night. Mm -hmm. 
When you have things on the calendar like that, you also have something to look forward to. So that means that even if last week was really busy, you know you have a social commitment on your calendar that's coming up. So ritualizing your life is another big hack in addition to gratitude. I love that. And I I feel like it would be so funny if I saw you guys hiking with like man morning Thursday shirts. Hey, we might get That could be really fun. We're building a website. Yeah, you're building a website. That's amazing. (laughs) We want to get other guys to like do the same thing. And maybe there's a woman Wednesday, you know, like let's get people in the space where community is a regular part of their life. So great. I have just love talking to you about this. We could go on forever. Where can everybody find you and learn from you? I know Broken Brain Podcast, everybody listening, tune in. Where else or what else do you want people to look at? Because I know they're going to want more of this from you. Yeah, so I just started a series on Instagram TV, experimenting with that, called I've Got Your Back. It's all topics around friendship. And people are like, why are you talking about friendship? I'm like, I there's a whole bunch of reasons to talk about friendship, and you got a taste of some of those reasons on here. So um, I'm at Drew Perowit, that's D-H-R-U-P-U-R-O-H-I-T, and I write posts, I make little videos on Instagram about friendship, about connection, about how to improve our relationships, about how to express gratitude. So that's probably one of the best places to uh, look me up. Do you know what's so funny, Drew, whenever I listen to your Insta stories, because also he makes awesome Insta stories about friendship, and I'm always listening, and it's funny because sometimes the frame will be dark, and it'll say sound on, you know, and maybe you'll have some coffee, and I'm like, <laughs> is Drew in the dark in his bedroom at night having this Insta story note about friendship? Like, could not love you more that you're probably like sitting there like, well, I've got to download. Well, one day, somebody told me that I had a really great voice, yeah. and you know, sometimes you don't want to turn the camera on you because you're busy, you're doing a million different things. So I have a case on my iPhone. I literally just cover up the camera and I That's turn it, it on is. and I hit record. That my my imagination was that you were it's in a like dark at hole. midnight and you can't sleep and you're doing friendship notes. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, oh gosh. gosh, thanks again for being here. That was amazing. Ashley, thank you for having me on my podcast. Hey guys, it's Ash here, and I am just so moved by Drew Pirouette. He's one of my favorite people. He's one of the most generous and wise and conscious and thriving individuals I've ever met, and I love watching the way he navigates his friendships because his effort is palpable, and I feel very much so like I'm always making a very clear effort with my friendships as well, and I have a lot of friends who make an effort with me. And the other day... I was sitting with one of those really close friends of mine and she said to me, you are so good at being a yes or a no with people. And when she mentioned being a no with people, what that looks like for me isn't that I don't want certain friends. It's the the awareness that if I commit to being a yes and making time for certain friends, I'm not going to be as committed at having space for the friendships that I already have. And so whenever new people come into my life, I'm very mindful of the relationships I have. And I do see my commitments and my yeses um, as potentially a no. Like any new yes is a possible no to any other commitments I have because you only have so much space in your life. And so there have been some mini heartbreaks for me along the way because there's some women in my life that I would love to be closer with, but I'm noticing that there's a handful of girls that I'm so devoted to and so aware of that for me to really make space in my life for a new close friend would be at the expense of the friendships I have. Um, And one of those really close friends of mine asked me, like, how did you get so good at this? She's like, because I'm struggling at figuring out who I want to go closer to 
and who I want to make space from. And I'm, I'm struggling with this. And I told her, well, if I created a course on the internet about friends, I would say the first thing that I consider is priorities. And what do I mean that, by that? I mean, first of all, we all have a different set of core values. And if you don't know yours, definitely head on over to uturnpodcast.com slash core values. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash core values to get clearer on what your core values are. Um, but I will say we all have a different set of core values. And um, I have found that friendship and connection are core values for me. Community and connection are core values for me. And so when I'm deciding whether I want to get close to somebody, I want that to be mutual because I don't want to open my energy, give my heart, make time for somebody that friendship, connection, or community isn't really a priority for because then it really will translate into them having other reasons why they're not available. Whereas the friendships I have, community, connection, it's like a very high priority for them as well. And as a result, when anything's going on in my life, when I want to see them, I have the awareness that I am on the list of their priorities because we are very close with each other. And that has translated into times of need in my life. Like when my sister was dying, it was one of the most painful experiences back in the summer of 2018. So very recently. And it was such an interesting experience because up until that point, I'd had such beautiful friendships, but I'd never tested them or thrown something at them to see how they handle it. And it's not to say that I was approaching them like judging how they would navigate my sister passing away, but it was really mind-blowing for me to see how people showed up. I had Amanda Bucci text me a screenshot of her schedule every day and let me know that pretty much everything is movable. She can cancel any client, any call. And that came down to priorities. So me having that closeness with her and me seeing that her priorities were such that everything was movable was such a reminder of, you know, the fact that friendship and connection was such a big deal for her. And so I think that for you, it also goes with the flip side. Is friendship a priority? Is community a priority? Or is family a priority? Because then that's so clarifying for you to be able to get clear that, hey, you know, you might not be a match for friends where friendship and community is number one for them if they're looking to grow their relationship with you and they want you to show up for them in a way that doesn't resonate for you. So it's all about core values. So again, uturnpodcast.com slash core values. If you want to check out that guide and get really clear what your top five to 10 core values are, that could be super helpful. I always go with my top five. And when it comes to friendship, I would say, you know, I'll never forget my, my friends like Amanda moving their schedule around or, you know, therapy, therapy by Nicole is her Instagram ha handle. Um, Nick showing up at the hospital to say goodbye to my sister with me as she was on life support. It's like, it's priceless. Or Sarah Ann Stewart, you know, also on Instagram, one of the most beautiful, generous, nourishing souls I've ever met, sending flowers to all of my family's homes, sending food, asking me if she can come to the hospital with me and hold my hand. I just have extraordinary relationships. And so I wanted to share, in addition to what I look for, some things you could do to be an extraordinary friend, if that resonates for you, if that's something you're looking to cultivate. Um, but I would say number one is to to have boundaries and to really check your energy and your connection with people because 
far too often we have a life full of the things that aren't fully aligned for us and we never find the right thing because we don't ever make space for the right thing to come in. If you're occupied by a bunch of friendships that don't light you up, you're not making space for the ones that do. And that's so important. So number one is to be the one that brings people together. Um, so other than learning how to say no, and, and by the way, when I say learning how to say no, it doesn't mean being unkind. You know, it just means there have been a couple women in my life that I really would love to cultivate relationships with, but between writing my book and the friendships that I already have, it's just one of those things where I realize that if I say yes to that space in my life, I'm not available for the people that I've already fully committed my soul to. And because of that strength. And what does that look like when I say no? Because I'm sure some of you are like, whoa, that feels rough. What it looks like for me is saying, hey, it was so nice to meet you too. God, I would really love to sit down with you um, given my work schedule and where I'm at right now with some friends that I haven't seen. I don't have the space right now, but I would absolutely love to get to know you. So if things shift, I will reach out. I put it on me and people have been really receptive. They're like, totally get it. So glad you're taking care of yourself. And I'm lucky I have a lot of people in personal development who value people who speak the truth. So I've only been met with positivity when that's where I'm at. And also one way that I've navigated that is in being somebody who brings people together, which is another point I wanted to bring up of being a great friend. And what I love about that is that whenever I'm noticing I don't have space to cultivate new deep bonds with new amazing women in my life, um, I have been somebody who brings people together and I make it a point and I make note of inviting those people that I wish I had space for to these events. So it's like, hey, I'm doing a group thing. I would love to see you. Um, that way I'm able to introduce them into a community of amazing women that I already have and I'm able to kind of include them and connect with them in that way um, even if I don't have the space in my life to go deep and it's so tough to go through the judgments and I get it because even as I'm talking right now the judgments I have is wow how bitchy or how like I don't know how mean girl of me to be like, I don't have the space in my life for somebody. And so I'm sure if you're anything like me, you're judging yourself on some level for saying something like that. But ultimately, the only thing worse to me is not keeping the space open for the women I love so deeply who keep the space open for me. The other night I went to a wedding and I just had a rough night because as I'm writing the U-turn book, it's bringing up so much processing for me of different events that have happened in my life that I'm only sharing in this book that I've never shared. And as I'm processing it, I'm just a lot more sensitive. And Sarah Ann Stewart was at a mastermind in Miami and I called her or I texted her and said, Hey, I'm at a wedding. I'm having a rough night. Are you available? And for most people, she probably wouldn't be available. She was sitting in her mastermind. But for me, she was like, yep, no problem. Let me step out and find some space. And there's no guilt in the relationship. I don't feel any guilt for asking her to step out and pick up my phone call. And she never feels any guilt, I'm hoping, for me stepping out of whatever I'm doing. And I'm not joking. If she was really having a bad day and I was in a work meeting, I'd be like, hey, I'm so sorry to end this meeting, but I need to wrap up. I have a phone call I need to make. And it would be to her because we prioritize friendship at that level and we are very clear on who our relationships are. So for me, the only loss... Um, bigger than saying no to that amazing new person is not having the space for people like that who I'm so devoted to. 
So I know I've been a dead horse with this point, but I think it's so important. So number one, be the person that brings people together. You know, a rising tide really does lift all boats. You know, and women appreciate you being a point person. There's, you know how it is in groups. There's always somebody that takes the initiative. Um, and you don't have to make it a big project for yourself. You can make it simple. Like, hey, we're all going to meet for drinks at 7 p.m. at this place. It doesn't have to be a whole coordination. Number two. Remember important days for friends. This is a really big one. Start getting into the habit of asking people when their birthday is and writing it down in your calendar or your digital iPhone calendar. Um, whenever somebody has an important day, it doesn't have to be their birthday. It can be a surgery or a speaking engagement. In the case of my friends, a lot of them are run seminars and do speaking. Um, I'm always remembering it. Um, or it's a date with a new guy that they're really excited about. I'm writing it down in my calendar because I want to remember what's important for them. Um, I want to support them. And it's become a habit to look at my calendar and be like, oh, wow, you know, Libby and her husband, Scott, have something going on really important for their business today. I'm going to shoot them both a text. And it feels so good to be that person. And I have no judgment on the fact that I need to write it down to remember. I care enough to write it down. Number three is to say no to people who don't light you up. And this has really been number one. I've been talking about it the whole time. And ultimately, just to remember, friendship isn't a noun. It's a verb. It's what you do. Um, it's who you be in the world. So I would say don't just think of yourself as a friend of people, but be a friend of people. And I think this episode with Drew really shows that. I was so inspired by our conversation. I'm sure you've gotten some nuggets from him. He's so wise. And would love to hear from you. Hit me up on the gram as per usual at Ashley Stahl. Um, it would be so exciting to just kind of hear how this is landing for you. Sending you lots of love. So excited to hear. And I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.